I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This, two, is one. The Real Brian Show. Well, today we are going to ice up your holidays. Freeze those knees because the Queen of Ice returns. Miss Ice joins Captain Influence and me to put the BS in TRBS. That is sticking now. It's awesome. Plus, we're going to talk about three degrees of Tom Cavanaugh. And actually, I have no idea what that means. The balance between criticism and encouragement. The Christmas Chronicles, our review, that is deep thoughts with Captain Influence and a whole lot of other crap. So it'll be good. It is, after all, the real Brian show. So let's rock it. Yes, The Real Brian Show puts the BS in TRBS. Is that our new slogan? Is that where we're going with Captain Influence? Uh, I think people are going to get sick of it pretty quickly, actually. (laughs) You never know, though. I'm hearing it being said around now. It's amazing. Captain Influence! Hello. Here's your collective groan, everyone. What? What? Yeah. So wait, but you're saying I'm, when they hear your name, they're like, oh. They're like, oh, God. And the people rejoice. Yay. Mike's probably going, uh, <laughs> why is he on every episode now? God. You know, we need to bring Mike on just to tell uh, us Please. basically his opinion of you. Like, here's oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah, oh, I can't funny. wait. Here's my opinion of... of uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, oh, is there someone I, else I, in I should, Yes, <laughs> I am the real Brian. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. It's so great to have you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm Brian. Emily. Oh, hello. Oh my gosh. I'm Emily over here. Emily. Excuse me. <laughs> Miss Ice. I'm over here now. Yep. You're back. My name is Emily, and I'm really good at faking it. Wait, what? Ba-dum. So wait, are you are you even excited to be here right now? Because you kind of sound like um annoyed. Is that the right word? I told you. No, I'm I'm just really good at faking being annoyed. That's my new thing. It's like, you know, you don't want to show too much excitement, so you have to look annoyed, but inside you don't, it's like, just... So really, one way or the other, you come across in a way that is completely opposite of what you're really feeling right now? Exactly, because when you reveal honest emotions, that is when you lose. Oh. That's deep. So you really are good at faking it. Exactly. Wow. That should be your life slogan. Hello, my name is Emily, and I'm really good at faking it. Yep. <laughs> Would be a pretty decent pickup line, to be honest. <laughs> I make you feel better about you. I'm not sure that's the pickup line she wants to be using. <laughs> I'm not be really sure that's going to get me She's what like, I want. No, wait, that's not what I meant, though. This is a totally different... Never mind, forget it. But I make <laughs> I make you feel good. No, 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 not in that way either. I mean, like, like your emotions... I want your emotions to feel good. I make you feel gooder. Gooder. That's right. We only speak two languages, gooder English and badder English. Worser. Right. Worser. Worser English. Worser. So that's why Worser. when, oh my yep. gosh. So can I just rant about this for about 10 seconds? Well, you know how people say, and I said it correctly, wait, right? Wait, 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 Go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go. Yeah, yeah, I am. So do you know man. when I said, you know, thanks for joining uh, Captain <laughs> Influence and me? That's correct. That's correct English. What people mm-hmm. are saying now is welcome to Captain Influence and, and I's show. Because they don't know how to use I and me. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just don't believe you. I Grammar see saves lives. Grammar does save lives. I see it all the time. People are using, you know, uh, Tony and I's thing instead of saying... You know what's easier? Our thing. <laughs> Just come join our show. It's easier that way. I think Tony and me's thing. Okay, that doesn't mind. work either. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, me and Tony's. Yeah, me and Tony's. I and Tony's. That sounds, that at least sounds more like. <laughs> Just wing it. Grammar terrorists. It actually. Oh it my actually, God. <laughs> you know, you guys, when you were doing the whole Valley Girl segment last episode, I was like, oh my gosh. You know, like this is not cool. I mean, there are some people out there. Who would not like that? Look, look. And I just—I don't care I just if think you're like you have annoyed to think about these things. It doesn't matter if you're like annoyed or not, because like it's just how we speak sometimes. Okay. 
Uh, gag me with chopsticks. Oh, oh my God. Um, gag me with basic much. You can do that. Oh. You can't gag someone with chopsticks. Peanut brittle. Oh my. <laughs> peanut brittle. <laughs> Is that really our safe word? This good peanut brittle. Oh, you lucky dog. Mm. I've got eggnog with rum tonight. Mm, really? This so, has got to be the most random opening to the real Brian show. I ever. know, right? I We're just it. going all over the place. I think it's, I it's just it. a, it's a new dynamic, right? Yeah. It really is. It's fun. It's good to have a three. I mean, three of us here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really nice. Now, I will say this. This this peanut brittle made by the mayor's wife is fantastic. It's some of the best I've ever had. I typically don't eat peanut brittle because it usually tastes like corn syrup. And this does not. This tastes like peanuts and butter and I, I don't know, whatever goes in it. It's really, really good. You poor, poor man. How have you gone so long without ever having good peanut brittle? You know, my mom used to make good peanut brittle, but she made it when I was in braces. So I couldn't eat it. It'd get stuck <laughs> in the braces and then it'd rip those. You remember those? Remember that? You know, you couldn't eat certain foods because it'd rip your braces out and then you'd have of like, of course. Yeah. So I, I just never, never ate braces. It. Yeah, I had lucky. I had a rainbow colored retainer. Um, That's pretty special. That is yeah. really special. <laughs> Back before Rainbow meant other things. You know, rainbows used to be the Denver Nuggets used to have a rainbow. Of course, they do now with their new city edition. They did. Those were beautiful. I remember when it was a simple symbol of someone's promise to the world. I remember when it used to mean there was gold at the end of it. Well, that was a good time. That happened after mine. What do you mean? (laughs) Used to. It still does, dude. Have you ever like found the pot of gold yet? No, and I keep looking. Yeah, it's okay. You can get there. Go on. Just a little this further. This is down. the most random intro to any Brian show I've ever done. Wow. You know, it's funny though. All right. Well, we have, as I mentioned, many things we're going to be talking about today. I already listed them earlier, so we're going to do that. But Miss Ice, welcome back. It's been so, so long. I don't even remember what you look like. Can you Not send, many people do. Can you send us a picture? <laughs> uh, just like of your face? Because I just don't remember oh, sure. what your face right looks now? like. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, ah. oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you just I've changed it? a little bit. <laughs> did you? Wait, that's not you. Awesome. Well, anyway, it's good to have you here. So exciting. And I know we're going to hear about what's going on in your life. I know there are those who have asked me, could you please have Miss Ice tell her story, her life story over the last month of what's going on in her life? Life story over the last month. (laughs) (laughs) You mean, do you want me to tell you mine? Just I'm just repeating. No, I really wasn't don't. sure where the comma was in there, so I, you know, wanted to make sure I understood correctly. Grammar saves lives. Let's eat grandma. <laughs> Woo! Exactly. That was the year we became cannibals. So <laughs> it is so. Oh dear. <laughs> oh my gosh. So no, really, what's going on with you? Oh, what's going on? Uh, it's not a lot of the same since I've been taking a hiatus from social media, as you mentioned a couple weeks ago or yeah. whenever that was. Um, I have been really invested in helping my sister babysit. Okay. So once a week, I take my nephew for a couple hours in the middle of the day and have fun. I like I don't work for four hours in the middle of a work day. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Cool. Once <laughs> a week, you have to make up that time else on the other sides of that. But yeah, once a week. Wow. And how old is your nephew? He is almost five months now. Oh, really little. Okay. Really little. Yep. Your sister lets you, your brother, which is it? Sister. Sister. She lets you take your five, her five month old son uh, (laughs) on errands and such. Oh, no, no. I go, I have just been going to their house and being there for a couple hours. And then, you know, like while he's sleeping, I can get some work done. But like, I, I just like, I randomly asked my, my manager, is this something that we can even do? Like, I'd, I'd like to be able to help my sister out and, you know, so that she doesn't have to pay for daycare. All, like a lot of my family just take one day so that she and her husband can work and we take just a little bit of time off and watch him for a couple hours. They were like, yeah, let's work around it. Let's see what we can do. I was like, this is amazing. Okay. I cool. know. So I get to spend quality time with a baby. And I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've never been around babies before. So this is my first experience with babies. Yeah, I had to change my brother's diapers when they were kids. (laughs) (laughs) You poor thing. I still remind them of it once in a while. I am actually pretty amazed that she is allowing you to do that. Part of the whole thing was that she still really loves what she does for a living, you know, and so she still wants to dedicate some of her time to that. But I think it was surprising to even her how much having a baby changed her, you know, just like from the inside out, like all mm-hmm. the things you feel and where your focus is and where you're, where you want all your time to go into. 
So, I mean, she still spends a, a great deal of time with him, but, you know, at least for a couple hours every day, she can get some quality work done and know that he's, you know, not in a daycare where, yeah, that's good. where there's like a bad ratio of people to babies and mm-hmm. spending time with people who love him. So good. More viruses. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Right. <laughs> virus well, factories. yeah, and just like, especially this time of year, you know, you hear the stories about whatever flu colds going around and yeah. he's not, he's not, successful. he isn't prone to that because of us. That is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. so that's, that's kind of what's going on with you. And then of course it's the, yeah. the holiday season. So you're out holiday season, Christmas shopping or, you know, doing something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Slash Christmas shopping from the couch. Okay. <laughs> Guys, be honest. How much of your Christmas shopping this year has been done in physical stores? Who goes first? Uh, I'm going to say zero so far. Zero? Okay. Probably. Zero for me. Yep. uh, About 50% for my wife. Wow. Oh, you know what? Actually, no, I take that back. Maybe maybe about 10% done from stores so far. Okay. There was one. Yeah. I know. It's amazing how much we, we don't go physically into the stores, which is killing our local economies, unfortunately, but it's so much easier not to. Well, and part of it is that sometimes I just have a really hard time thinking about like what to get someone. And so it's so much easier to go through like cultivated lists on Etsy or Amazon. You know, there's, there's these lists of ideas for people and then you could just click and buy, you don't Mm -hmm. have to go into a store and, (laughs) And that's often how I generate my ideas or like, or for my sister, the gift that I got her is, you know, part of it is coming in the mail. And then I, when it comes, I have to go out and get another piece to, in order to match it or whatever. So, I mean, it'll, it'll inspire me to get out, but yeah, I mean, other than every time I go into Menards, it seems I have to buy my nephew another toy, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he's only five months, but he will be getting a tool set for Christmas. Menards sells toys. And a giant Voltron. (laughs) He needs a giant Voltron. And everything in there is, it just reminds me of my brother buying gifts for my brother when he was little. Nice. <laughs> so, but yeah, Menards. so other than when I go into Menards and go past the toy section, so I don't really buy gifts in stores anymore. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Was it you or was it Andrew Alliance or somebody that brought up the whole love languages? It's been recently, but I don't remember who talked about hmm. it. Anyway. I talk about it a lot, so it definitely could have been me, but okay, it sounds like you something did. Andrew would have talked about. Maybe both of you did, but you know, one of the love languages is gift giving and one of them is words of encouragement. And I am like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm a words of encouragement person. I am not gift giving. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am so terrible at giving gifts. I am the exact same way. I go, I don't know what to do. I have no ideas. I freak out. I totally overstress about it. Whereas, you know, throughout the year, it's like, can I just keep encouraging people and be there? So, yeah, this is a tough time to shop. Thankfully, we don't do a lot of gifts anymore. We're trying to do more experiences, spend money and time on experiences rather than gifts, Mm -hmm. which is really, really fun. Yeah. And it's more more memories, too. But yeah, that's and it's a good thing because gift giving is very stressful, very hard for me. Yeah, it's not a bad thing if you don't have the gift of gift giving as your love language. I think it's harder when you're the way that you receive love is by getting gifts, which yeah. all of the love languages are totally legit, you know, and they express different things about personalities. But that one just seems really hard because you're, well, I guess all of them, you know, in, in the way that you receive love, you really have to rely on someone meeting that criteria in a way that can fulfill you. Because <laughs> even with words of encouragement, you know, if if you're not getting that influx of positivity or the words that encourage you specifically for yeah. the way they encourage you, like, cause me, if I, if I think that I'm encouraging you, but that's not, those aren't the words exactly that fulfill the way that you receive words of encouragement. I mean, it's so, so weird how all of that plays in together. That's true. I feel like, sorry, that was a weird, weird tirade. No, no, no. It was really good. No, we liked it. It actually is a great little uh, segue into something I was going to bring up anyway, which I think is great. But I was going to say, too, that I don't mind gifts. Like, I, I, of course, love receiving gifts, but it's not the thing that, you know, because the whole point of that book is what truly impacts somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, do does receiving gifts impact that person's, you know, well-being in so many ways? And for me, it is more about words of encouragement, receiving that, which is very interesting. Let me share a little story. We had a very cool opportunity to sit courtside for the women's basketball game on Sunday, which was so much fun, by the way. We also decided you, know, you can you can go and actually meet them after the game on the court 
and we just never have. It's neat that the women are allowed to do that for whatever reason. The men aren't due to NCAA rules. Don't get that. But we're like, let's just Weird. go meet them. Yeah, it is. It's I don't know. I don't They're care. in the same organization. I don't understand that. Yeah, I, I it's I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it goes I'm, back to a conversation the two of you were having a couple of weeks ago. Which one? <laughs> About uh, money going into men's and women's sports. Yes. Oh, yes. Yep, I yep, remember much that. more money into the men's yeah. and yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not but, an equality thing, unfortunately. But so is, because they're making more money for the university, they they can't meet their exactly, fans. Exactly, and you have to pay for it. The men are going to uh, likely be more famous than the women. Mm-hmm. That's the argument. Famous. Eventually, yeah. eventually, that's what yeah. they say. They're, I'm just they're preserving the eventual fame. Yes, and even then, how many of them really are? I think it's less than five percent of college basketball players will ever play for the NBA. I've heard that stat before. I don't know if it's that low, but it's low. It was on a commercial for the NCAA recently. So it was, it was in the single percentage. I know that, but it's, I mean, I'm that's, sorry. That's like, I got so you off on low. a tangent, but it's a good point. <laughs> so the point being is that we got a chance to go meet some of these women and very, very cool. I was, you know, it's so funny. Why am I surprised how cool they are? I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, people are out, they get a little bit of fame, you know, and you might think, Oh, they're going to be a little standoffish, you know, that's why I didn't want to go say hi to them because I, you know, you'd, you'd be disappointed to meet someone. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. Turns out they're amazing. They're so nice. I'm like, oh my gosh, how come we haven't met them earlier? Well, anyway. And they're I, probably even better right after a game, win or lose, just because the energy is high. And, yeah. Yep. yep totally. They certainly smell better. <laughs> they actually, so this is funny. None of them <laughs> smelled. I was absolutely surprised because I'm thinking you just ran for 40 minutes plus, you know, hmm. well. That's one of the none, ways that's better than men, dude. None of them smelled. And I was just absolutely surprised by that. Cause I think, you know, I play with, I play basketball with guys before <laughs> some of them smell after the game. Trust me. So it's, it's interesting. Anyway, it would be a lot of fun to play pickup ball with them. But my point being is that, you know, you hear the criticism, especially with sports. And I've been reading about our basketball teams as far as our college teams. And then of course I follow the Phoenix suns and the nuggets and, and the suns are just sucking the big one right now. And it's really sad. I mean, they have the worst record ever, I think. And it's it's bad. And they got some really good players. But there is just massive, massive heavy criticism right now by the media and the fans. I mean, they're just ripping them apart. And I brought this up, I think, a few weeks ago. Somebody said something that that I think it was a former NBA player was talking about. You know, when you do poorly and you lose the game, you know that. It's obvious, right? Then, of course, the coaches will sit there and, and yell at you. Then the media will yell at you. You don't need it from the fans, too. And it's really interesting because meeting these basketball players in person and, you know, there is criticism. There are the fans that yell things. There's the the newspapers that were right. You know, well, they should have done this better and they blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then when you actually meet them in person and you have that face to face conversation, you're like, I can't. How could anybody want to criticize these people? I mean, so they lost a game. Like, but how could you? You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't you want to encourage somebody better in this? So it got me thinking about this. What is our role, whether it's, you know, in our personal lives or, you know, impacting others here, even on the show or whether we're shouting at the sports teams that we watch or we're criticizing movies and TV shows that we watch, et cetera. What is the role? And also what's the balance between? So first of all, what's the balance between criticism and encouragement? And then what's our role in that? And then, of course, how do we effectively and respectfully carry this out? I got to thinking about this. For whatever reason, just when you meet somebody face to face, because it's so easy for us to criticize heavily behind our phones and computers and cars and all that. Obviously, we do it all the time. We're going to be reviewing the Christmas Chronicles later on in the show, and I'm sure there's going to be criticism. I mean, we've reviewed the most recent one that has had a lot of criticism was, of course, the new Fantastic Beasts movie, and there was a lot of hate towards that movie. And I thought, would you you tell J.K. Rowling that to her face? You know what I mean? Some of the stuff that would was out there. Would she care if you did? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Deep down. She might, but Deep I mean, she, she would also know on many levels she has no need of truly caring about a hate, what a hater is going to say about something she knows from statistical experience is really good. So, However, artists are the most critical and artists are typically the most emotionally swayed. So, that makes sense. Yeah, and for somebody who is not as big as J.K. Rowling, let's just say you're some college basketball player that, you know, you're not famous and you're just getting ripped apart by everybody. You know, how Much you more feel? applicable. Exactly. Yeah, or yeah. in your own life, you know, you, you whether you perform well in your job or not, or whether you 
whatever you're driving par- yep. poorly or I don't know, just pick something in your life where you get criticized. So let me, first of all, let me ask you each of you this question, which do you prefer? Do you prefer somebody who comes in and shows you all of the things that you're doing wrong and that you need to fix those things and then end of discussion? Or do you prefer somebody to come in and encourage you in the things that you're doing right and continue to move you in that direction? Does it have to be one or the other? Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. <laughs> well, that's okay. T- tell me which which you prefer. Do you prefer a mix? Do you prefer both? What You chose two extremes of a spectrum, neither of which really gets you anywhere. Like If somebody yeah. comes in and encourages you and tells you to keep doing what you're doing right, how do you improve? There is a healthy balance right in the middle of that where someone can come in, give you honest feedback and work with you to understand what they didn't like and what you did do right so that you can build on what you know that you did well and work at what you didn't do well. Well said. I agree with that, by the way, but I wanted to challenge one thing. You said if somebody comes in and encourages you to do the one, let's just say you're doing something right. They encourage you to do more of that. I actually think that that is exactly a way to improve. It's a way to continue doing what you have been doing, which means continued growth and improvement though. Not necessarily. Well, it should, but It should, but it doesn't usually happen without an awareness of what else isn't working because there are, it's a many faceted approach to an overall picture that if you're painting a blue sky and your sky is looking really blue and really clear, you know, somebody comes in and says, yeah, you're doing a great job with that sky, but you know, where's the ground, you know, (laughs) you know, that's a totally random thing, but you know, like you, you've only been painting a blue sky. And if you keep doing that, you're only ever going to be painting a blue sky. Okay. And so if you do that really well, awesome. You know, and that's, that is nothing to criticize. You know, sometimes we just need people who will deliver that. But I would call that the status quo. I would say at the point where somebody comes in and encourages you and says, you're doing this well, keep doing this. We need you doing this. That is great. But you're still now only meeting their expectations. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to agree. A happy medium is the only way I would choose to answer that it's you have to have a bit of both mm-hmm. i think of how my boss at my office treats me which is a perfect mix of compliment and criticism Ooh, that's so rare. he's always been that he's always done that and he's yeah. and it's one of the things i appreciate the most about him but yeah he he always goes out of his way to tell me good job with doing this or whatever and you know i've been working for him for 17 years and but then he will also call me out if i screw up and you know, I appreciate that. So mm-hmm. that's so rare in a boss. Oh my gosh. Is it? Oh, you have no idea. I would I say I actually have a very similar experience. <laughs> oh my, my, gosh. my team has gotten to that. Wow. That point too, where when you work with people long enough and you develop a rapport, you learn and understand how calling people out on bad stuff improves the way they do their stuff. Without yeah. it, people make more mistakes or continue making the same mistakes. And that just doesn't help anyone, Mm -hmm. but calling those out and working with them in order to stop those bad things from happening or stopping the mistakes from happening helps everybody work better as a team. And then, you know, people are more comfortable being encouraging and all that. Yeah. It builds on itself. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think the balance is absolutely essential. No, to go back to your point on the bosses though, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know what the statistic is, but shoot majority of bosses in general, are not good and are nothing like what you guys described. Really? That would be an like interesting that. statistic to dig into. Oh, a little I would bet. How surprised. do you even come up with that? St- that's a really odd statistic, too, because yeah, like it know. ends up being completely subjective. Well, I mean, it's all based on someone's perception of how they're treated. No. True, True, but I'm even talking about if somebody comes in and analyzes, you know, like how their management style is and or if it's like a collective it's one thing if people are just complaining Survey. or if one person's complaining, but if you've got like a collective ongoing commentary on how the boss is treating them and here's how they're treating them and it's usually negative, then, you know, something's up. I don't yeah. know what no, any absolutely. percentage well, is, but it's, it's funny because I, I work in an employee engagement industry and like all we do is surveying. And yeah. so oh, we yeah. see a, a lot of these things come th- through like where you, you know, every year we, we analyze, you know, how is your, what is your engagement level in it? And it's so, there are so many dimensions to that. And one of them sure. is managerial support. That is a huge proponent to high turnover in an industry is mm-hmm. if you have poor management, you have high turnover. I mean, it's not uncommon by any means, but I don't, it would just be really interesting to know what kind of objective means that there are. 
to yeah. see those kinds of statistics. And I don't yeah, doubt I that know. they exist because I, I work in employee engagement. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but just like, you know, and those are the kinds of things that we try to draw out in our software is just where are all of those connections between what your company is doing and how your, how your employees are reacting to you and your managers that can help you improve upon your performance. That's good. Really. Hmm. You know, if you were to take one statistic and the one we're talking about, the balance between constructive criticism and, and encouragement, that ideal balance, if you were to take that as one statistic, then of all of the bosses that I've ever had, whether it be through volunteer, you know, leadership or actual paid bosses, I would say that there are three that I've had in my entire life that would find that balance between constructive criticism and, you know, that encouragement. And you know what? I didn't always wanted to hear. Hmm. I didn't always want to hear what they had to say, but I needed to, and it was good, but I've had three bosses and I've had a lot of bosses. The rest of them were either actually, I've never had any that were super encouraging and didn't, they were usually like full on criticism, hundred percent, never told you anything good. Never, never told you anything you were doing right. You were always doing it wrong. You were always <laughs> the problem. And they were going to make it. You know, in fact, I had one boss tell me it was they were going to make it their personal mission to ruin my career and my life. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's so, just uh, bad luck, man. That's all. That, but, but I would say like my Brian, <laughs> my basketball yeah. coaches historically were always like that until my dad started coaching my basketball teams. Yeah. And then I started having fun again. But I had a I had a basketball coach in ninth grade, I think, who would just tear us to pieces like while we were out there running on the on the court just yelling profanities at us but then we would come out of the you know it's like at a halftime he would take us out into the hall and would just yell us and say you're getting killed out there do you yeah. want to get killed were you the kid that stood there trying not to laugh there's always one i was not that one i was okay. i was terrified of this man <laughs> I can't resonate with you on that in terms of bosses, but I can in terms of coaches. I've, sure. I've had my fair share of coaches across sports that have been like that. And it's not, it's not helpful. No. Sometimes it's motivating, but usually it's like, okay, if I'm doing everything wrong, where do I go from here? Exactly. And, yeah. And then, and there, and that isn't helpful either. No, no. I, I, one of the reasons I said that, was for you to treasure the bosses that you have. If they're really that good. I mean, <laughs> oh, like treasure yeah. them. And, but then the second thing is, is exactly what you just said. There is you cannot know where to go. If basically everything you're doing is wrong. I mean, you have no idea. So then am I doing anything right? Am I even worth anything here? Cause I don't know what I'm doing. You know, that's, so that's a really good point, which goes back to that balance thing that I think you are correct on. So taking this even a step further though, if we're not in a boss position, or a management position, but we're just in our friends' lives and our friends are doing things and we notice it and we want to say something to them. Or if we're like I said earlier, we're fans of our basketball teams or Captain Influence, you and I do this all the time on the show. We review our TV shows and movies. How much should we criticize versus encourage? But I think it goes back to that balance, but I think it's something we can all. That's where it gets really tricky, doesn't it? Because when you're, when you're in a professional working environment, there is a clear purpose in both encouragement and criticism. But when you're out in the world and you have like art, which is by its nature subjective, mm -hmm. there's time and a place. And that's what social media has completely abolished is like lack of awareness about what the appropriate tact. time and place is. Yeah. yeah there's no true. tact. That's true. I mean, YouTube alone has just obfuscated this whole idea of, you know, time and place. Everyone can say whatever they want, whenever they want. And it's not even YouTube, but you know, I was thinking like, we're not telling people who we really are when we say these comments. We, we do it on Facebook too. Yeah. And so you're really good <laughs> at faking just, it. <laughs> exactly. We're really good at faking it. But I mean, just like with this open forum on life to just say whatever you want, whenever you want it, yeah. want to, we've just lost any sensitivity toward withholding our comments when they're not needed. Ooh, ooh, I like with that. That is the best yeah. way of putting it. Withholding our comments when they're not needed. Because I mean, like, because oh, yeah. there was, so this weekend, there was this epic soccer game between Chelsea and Manchester City. And Manchester City lost their first game of the season. I think it was like the first game for stretching into the previous season. A couple fans were suspended for yelling like racist slurs at one of the um, Manchester City players mm -hmm. and it's just like one of those things where 
you're so excited that you beat this really good team that you say a bunch of things that aren't true. I mean, this team is so good. Nobody has beaten them in 36 games or something. And you, somebody finally beats them. And now you're yelling racist slurs at another player because what they accidentally lost a game basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, these people are the best Hooligans. players in the entire world. <laughs> and, you know, and they're still getting the brunt of all of this. Mm-hmm. There's no place that that should be acceptable except we get our, we, we let our emotions get the best of us and we think we have the right to yell whatever we want to because we have been given these platforms when we can do it whenever we want to. So would you say well, if we're critici- if we're criticizing someone, would you say that it's just another form of bullying in that sense? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, like I said, time and place. It, it yep. totally depends on the circumstance. Sure. But whenever, I mean, whenever you're openly telling anyone something about someone else without them present, do you think that's right? Exactly. So like I'm watching the Phoenix Suns. Now, I don't know any of these people personally, but let's just say I did. Let's say I knew Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and I'm sitting here on social media. All oh, these guys suck, man. This is the worst ever. What the heck? You know, everybody's an idiot. These guys are dumb. Well, that's what people are saying versus mm-hmm. if I were to go up to DeAndre or Devin and I just happen to know something that I saw and I'd be like, you know, I just want to say one thing. Thanks for sticking this out because, you know, you're fighting the worst record in the NBA. You're the laughing stock of the NBA and you guys have a good attitude. Here's what you're doing right. Keep doing this because this is amazing. Keep working on this. However, if I may make a suggestion, have you tried changing this? So for example, when I play basketball, there was this guy that I used to play with years ago, and I think he was in his 80s at the time. He'd be playing with us. And it was the funniest thing because, and I see this all the time, by the way, especially with younger players, when you're defending somebody, man-on-man defense, you chase them around the key, right? Right. Well, that gets really exhausting. And so his whole point is that he saw me do that. And he said, you know what? Have you ever tried just instead of chasing them around the top of the key, have you ever tried just cutting them off at the basket and blocking their shot? He goes, it's a lot less energy. It's a lot more effective. You'll catch them versus trying to chase them. And he goes, and I'm too old. I can't do it anyway. And I was like, huh, I've never thought of that before. That's a really good idea. And you know what? Did it work? My defense was like Mm -hmm. 10 times more effective after that. And I expended less energy. Mm-hmm. which is good for longevity of the game, of course. But anyway, it's he wasn't criticizing me. He was suggesting a better way, which still points out what you're doing wrong. But again, it comes back to, you're right. We have this thing where you just want to shout at the faceless per, you know, because we've never met the person face to face. We feel like we can say whatever it is we want because we're angry or upset or mildly miffed or whatever. And so we want to feel better. <laughs> so therefore we bully. That's my, I'm just totally talking yeah, off the no, top of my head. That, that sounds right. And I just can't relate. I just cannot relate. Well, Cause you're not that kind of person. You're, I just, you're still such a unique person. Captain. Influence. No, stop it. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not pander. I'm just telling See, you. The truth, Emily, this is how I fish for compliments. <laughs> with Ryan. It works every time. I'm just saying you don't do that. I'm blushing so furiously right now. It's not even funny. Are you like so happy? Eating up the mic. Stop it, man. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. Though. Anyhow, do go on. Anyhow. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you more about how <laughs> no, awesome kidding. you are. One of the best aspects to my English degree, my BA in English, that is, is that good. I learned how to take criticism and I learned how to take bad criticism and use it to my advantage. And so in a lot of my classes, we would have to exchange our written works with other people in the class and have them tear it apart and give us any sort of feedback that they want. Yeah. And you, you can imagine in a liberal arts school, the variety of people you have reading your writing. Yeah. And so you're going you're gonna to have a, a very diverse influx of opinion. People who love it, people who hate it, people who don't understand it, people who think you should change everything about it, which, you know, yeah. and all those things happen. And, and so like I, and then on top of that, I was also working for the school newspaper where, you know, an editor sits down and just hashes at your copy, you know, whatever you have written, whether it's good or bad, they hash at it and basically rewrite the whole thing anyway. Yeah. And so it's, I had a lot of experience with people ripping apart my work. So I, I am so, it's so much easier for me to take it. It's not always easy, but it's easier for me to take it because I know how to turn it into something good for me. Yeah. But it's not common because it's hard to hear people's honest opinion about something that came from inside of you. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to writing. But, but even like with something like sports, when you're, when you have dedicated your entire life to playing one thing, (laughs) 
I mean, and you can, I bet you can relate, Brian, with the piano and just like people with any sort of opinion or even podcasting, you know, you should really talk more about this. You should niche down. You should whatever. We've had all of those conversations where people think that they know what you need to do. And most people don't know how how to articulate that in a way that's useful. Part of it is somebody else's responsibility to learn how to provide that kind of feedback. But it's also our responsibility to learn that people sometimes just suck and you have to, <laughs> you have to work through it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know because I agree. isn't that true though? Yes, I mean, like it really is. most people just can't do it and that, and that sucks, but it's part of the whole experience. Something that yeah. I was thinking of recently, which I think applies very nicely to this. I want to do movie reviews on a, you know, ongoing basis on a, on a regular basis. We talked about this on the show and you know, we haven't done it yet for various reasons, but one of the things that I want to do is to say, I'm going to provide you with the most honest subjective review possible (laughs) because I'm not going to give it to you objectively because there's no such thing. And one of the things that I love to be able to say is that here's my opinion and I'm going to try to look at things, you know, maybe there are some things that are a little more objective than others, but then there are going to be some things that affected me differently because of who Mm -hmm. I am and how I see things through my own eyes versus how it might affect someone else. So I try to say that. I mean, that's why I've always talked about, you know, best classic example is walking dead. I don't like it because of how it affects me, but is it a good show? Yeah, I think so. I've watched three episodes and those three episodes I watched were masterful. So yeah, if you've watched the first three episodes, you're in for a treat Yeah, for a, a couple seasons. Well, but I'm just saying for, for whatever you see in that moment, like that's wonderful. And so I, I'm not going to criticize the show's quality necessarily. I'm just bringing up how it affects me. And so then that's what I can step back and say, mm-hmm. if, if you're like me, you may see it this way, but if you're not, then here you go. So trying to look at it from, I acknowledge the subjective analysis of it and I want you to acknowledge it too, because you may see it differently. And that's what I think most people don't do. They just say, mm-hmm. here's what I thought and I'm right. And you better agree with me or else <laughs> I hate you. Some of us are, I mean, maybe all of us are subject to that once in a while, but oh yeah, but yeah, it's, it's good to, it's good to recognize the phenomenon for sure. For sure. But I would agree, you know, you brought up your writing and I think that is so such a powerful example because you are right for, for writing, authoring, for composing music or performing music. And of course, as a performer, I've been criticized my whole life as well. So I'm used to it, but I've also been encouraged as well. So it's been very helpful And Mm -hmm. anything that comes to art is almost completely subjective. I mean, there are definitely things like piano techniques. If I'm not playing a technique correctly, well, either I've chosen not to because I'm doing something differently, in which case I can explain that, or I'm wrong. It's that simple. But as Mm -hmm. far as do you like my music or not, uh, that's not an objective answer. It's just not the way it works. You know, when it comes to or like your book. You know, you can say, well, your writing prose is correct or incorrect or whatever, but whether or not I like the story has nothing to do with whether that I'm right or wrong. It's just my personal Dude, take. I nailed every comma. <laughs> <laughs> and semicolon. We got none yeah. on me. Booyah. <laughs> but you know, with sports, I think yeah. it's a little different oh, yeah. because you can, you can criticize if, if the team lost because they were not effective on defense that's a pretty objective thing, but how they run their defense and how the person you know executes that, that's a little more subjective. Except with sports, you have two sides of a game. True. You have another team who's actively working to dismantle you. True. And I, and I think like to a certain extent that that's true, you know, like, but I mean, the thing that has always been really nice for the Packers up until like the last two years is that. Aaron Rodgers can carry the team on his shoulders. <laughs> you know, even when the defense sucks, Rodgers makes it happen with his amazing agility and arm. And it just hasn't happened in the last two years. And so all of us Packers fans are going, so what do we do now? Yeah. I don't know what it's like to lose this much. And <laughs> sports are a different breed, but still totally qualify. Yeah. I don't know though. But, I mean, I have created the secret society to dismantle Miss Ice's literary works, essentially. But so <laughs> what's there, that you, you do have an opposing. No, I'm kidding, and not at all. You guys want to know a secret? Yeah. No, I like secrets. No, okay, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to hear it. I ruin everything. No, go. <laughs> I have finished two novels. What? 
And I think the thing that holds me back from even just looking to see how I can get published is just this like looming fear of what social media could do to me. Oh, yeah. You know, like if I put myself out there, if I become a published author, you know, and like looking at either side of this, you know, if I if I do really well or if I bomb terribly, you have you are just asking for it. You're opening yourself up to whatever comes. And that's really intimidating. It is. And but, I think that's a large reason why I haven't done anything with them. But you're getting good practice right now and you're a hiatus from social media. Why not publish it through Amazon and just kind of, you know, throw your bobber in the in the water and kind of sit back and see if it would get a bite, you know? Oh, and if yeah. you don't want to see the, the if you don't want to <laughs> see the criticism, you don't have to log in and look. That's very true. And I know that, you know, and objectively I know that, you know, there are ways to just not look. And so that excuse only works to a certain extent. If you've gone through the trouble, the the the, <laughs> the long nights and and hard work of writing two novels, I think you owe it to yourself to try to just try it. Oh yes. yeah, okay. absolutely, Captain Influence, you've influenced me. I would agree I with think that I, too. Yeah, because there's so many indie writers out there, and they yeah. all have their their fans. And Captain Influence will read your books because he is an yeah. avid reader. Phew. Absolutely, and they are sci-fi, so that helps. Yeah, really. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, your first book is good. I haven't finished it because I have this. It's the weirdest thing. Here's my honest fear. I have this fear of long books. It is absolutely. I, I can't really? get I through love them. Long, the longer, no, I the can't better. get through them because um, for whatever reason, my attention, it's not an attention, lack of attention issue. It's more of a, you know, being the type ADHD. seven Renaissance person. No, it's just, I, I'm moving on to something else and it's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. But it's nothing to do yeah, with your book. Everybody. It's a oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. And, so that's a subjective and I mean, thing. And that comes back to the whole subjectivity thing. It's exactly. like not every book is for every person. Exactly. Even though I, I love the story. And I know that better. Right. And yeah. I know that better than anyone. You wrote a really long sci-fi book? Yeah, you're going to yes. get it. You're going to get a copy of it. <laughs> yes. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> $100. I still need beta readers. So $100 for the copy. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> Here's I'm a, a little short right now. It's Christmas. but yeah, $50. Here's a question. That I, and maybe this is for any of us too. But what is your intended goal or outcome or whatever for you know sharing the book? Like, are you wanting a lot of readers and are you wanting the feedback or are you just wanting to say, "Hey, here's something I wrote. I want to share it. I don't care if you like it or not." You know what I'm saying? Probably like, the latter. Okay. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, just I know like, you'll care, but you know. Yeah. What I mean? Well, no. I mean, what I what I love is world building and being able to. Because I, I have a very vivid imagination and being able to share that and, you know, because I, I write stories that I want to read, you know, like when I'm writing it, I'm like reading it at the same time. It's yeah. it's coming to life in front of me and, and cool. I get excited over the story. So, yeah. you know, I can almost, I can only partially take credit for it because <laughs> I feel like I'm, it's coming from somewhere beyond me. But, and so like, and that's just where I find the most enjoyment is just mm-hmm. being able to get lost in stories. Well, I can say with absolute certainty that you are an exceptional writer. So, and and I'm not saying that because you're my friend. I'm saying that because it's true. So, and that's not, (laughs) I don't know. That is an objective response. I've read a lot of books and I know good writers and I know bad writers and I know writers that can draw you in and I know writers that can create good character development, et cetera. But again, whether or not you like the story, that's subjective. But as far as quality writing and good storytelling, you've definitely got that. I appreciate so, that. Thank you. Absolutely. So I'm excited. You're going to get a book. <laughs> well, and I want to get the other two. Is it, are they shorter than the first one though? Oh, no, no, no. I've the, one of them is the one that you have. Oh, the okay, other one okay. I just recently finished. Okay. Is it shorter? <laughs> <laughs> I, want to, I want to read it <laughs> so badly. Please. It's not war and peace, but Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, it's shorter. It's Moby Dick. It's not Warren. <laughs> that one I actually, I I have it all recorded because my mom wanted me to record it for her. <laughs> so I have the whole. Like it's an audio? Recorded. Yeah. Read oh by gosh. the author? Read by the author. Oh, okay. I'll take that. I, I can get through long books <laughs> that they're audio. Let's do our review of, of the movie. You want to? Christmas let's Chronicles? Oh. Yeah, let's do it. No, but first, <laughs> yeah. first, Miss Ice. Let's review Christmas Chronicles. Miss Ice has to go first because you had told me like, I want to, I want to review this. Let's talk about it. Tell us your uh, yeah, no, I, I just, I, I thought it was so interesting that they chose Kurt Russell as Santa Claus for this movie <laughs> Yep. that I just wanted to make sure that we talked about it, but for sure. I don't know. Okay. For, first reaction, like when, 
we, we've had so many different Santa Clauses. And I mean, probably Tim Allen as the Santa Claus will always be my Santa Claus mm-hmm. because I, I like the Santa Claus movies are just my all time faves. I love can't, those. can't get enough of them every year. Yeah. But Kurt Russell, initial reactions. Liked him? Didn't like him? I liked him as Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I liked his attitude. It was a little gratuitous, but that was kind of the movie. I thought he made a good Santa Claus. It was, a little, it was different enough to make it okay. I had my doubts going in thinking, yeah, Kurt Russell, how how is this even possible? <laughs> I think they pulled it off. In my opinion, they pulled it off perfectly for mm-hmm. for Kurt Russell. And so in as which good case, as they could. Yeah, like I don't see him as Santa Claus, like you said to me, the Tim Allen Santa Claus or, you know, there's some others in the past that I've always been like, yeah, much, much better in that sense. Like that's how I would view Santa Claus overall. But in this context, I thought it was funny. It was good. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It felt I felt like they they wrote a Santa Claus that Kurt Russell could do and that didn't take away from the Santa Claus character at the same time. Like they they made him a full character and didn't just pander to Kurt Russell's strengths. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, that's pretty unusual, especially well, not necessarily for Netflix, but for a lot of what we've come to know as like made for TV movies, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's not a traditional released in theaters sort of movie. It's a, it's a cultivated movie, but although speaking yeah, of that one weird. point, this was a well done movie for being a quote made for TV, you know, Netflix movie. Most of those are real cheesy and poor budget, but this was actually was- pretty good on that sense. I thought it was well produced, but yeah. it had its fair share of cheese. Oh, well, that, and- <laughs> content wise, that's different. I'm talking about the production value. No, the production value was actually pretty good. Yeah. 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 No, I thought the, they did a good job with the family dynamics and, you know, having the two kids, the, the conflict that they were enduring and then kind of like only alluding to what happened to their dad without really talking about it mm-hmm. held just like enough of mystery over what what's really going on with these kids to mm-hmm. at least make the cheesy moments seem not as contrived. Like you almost can't get around those contrived moments because you know, they're building toward it and you have to resolve it at some point. Mm-hmm. And, and for the most part, it seemed really good and like it was well paced. They didn't have to explain everything right when it came up. They, they gave it time to build. And I just don't see that very often. Usually they have to talk about things in a very overt way. And you're just like, just let it evolve. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this one evolved well. Yes, yes. The the whole thing about the VHS tapes at the beginning of the of the movie and yeah. I wondered why are there VHS tapes <laughs> at a camcorder in twenty seventeen, which is when they were last recording with it. And then they explain it ten minutes in. So Yeah, which I was yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I'm thinking like, wait a minute, why aren't you using your iPhone or something? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good explanation. Okay, overall thoughts of the movie. Did you enjoy it? Overall, Miss Ice. I actually cried at the end. Oh. This cold heart, cold ice. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Heart of ice. There it is. (laughs) Couldn't come up with it. Heart of ice cried. I mean, I I can see why. It it was very personal to me too. Just like a lot of it at the very end. So I I really felt empathy Mm -hmm. for what was going on there. Just like the kid getting a chance to tell his dad that he was proud of him was Mm -hmm. really emotional. But yeah, I mean, like it. W- I laughed and I cried. So I mean, how can the and the, and I also got to roll my eyes a couple times because that scene <laughs> in the middle with all the L's. Uh, I was like, "What uh, the heck is happening?" Minions <laughs> turned so, into a Pixar film. Yeah, except for like that five ten minute span in the middle where all of these L's suddenly appeared. I don't really have any complaints. Completely agree with everything you just said right there. hundred percent. Like it was, it was extremely, uh, the emotions were good. I I, I were actually, I thought they were extremely well done in that sense. Yeah. My biggest complaint was, uh, and I think captain influence you and I are on the exact same page on this one. It was really cool up until the point where the elves were introduced and you're just like, uh, are we watching I'm like, are we watching a minions movie now? Cause they, they look like elf version of minions. And I'm like, come on guys. I mean, let's get back to the, again, Santa Claus version of the elves or even the elf version of the elves are far better yeah. than, you know, this, this was like, they had their moments though. The chainsaw moment. Uh, I'm not yeah. going to give away oh, too many yeah. spoilers. That was hilarious. <laughs> there were a few things that were like, okay, that was cool. But then I'm like, it just was so out of place. I think is what it was. Yeah. Yep. Out of place. That whole scene, like starting when she crawled into the bag 
to when <laughs> yeah. the elves came out of the bag. Yep. None of that was necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Golden, but it really did a good job of explaining how he gets all those presents in that bag. I love that. That part. was Absolutely. cool. Yeah. And it, and that, and it, and it helped build the world of Santa Claus. And so for sure. that, yeah. you know, I'll accept it. <laughs> well, I actually loved how she crawls into the bag and portals to the North pole. To me, that was actually very cool. But the yeah. whole elf yeah. thing was just, that yeah. was trippy. Okay. Yeah. Captain influence overall opinion of the movie. I enjoyed watching it. I don't think it was a very good film. I don't think it was written that well. I really liked Kurt Russell. I really liked who shows up at the very end of the movie, and I'm not going to give it away. Me too. It was really fun to see that. I learned a few things. Uh, I learned that Santa uses wormhole technology. Yes, that was awesome. (laughs) Yes, he does. Yep. It's I actually slipstream. Santa, slipstream, by the way, from Star yeah, Trek okay. Voyager. Just wanted to. Yeah. Oh, good, good, point, <laughs> yep. good point. I also learned that Santa missing Christmas has resulted in millions upon millions of deaths throughout history. Yes, like the Dark Ages. Uh huh. I learned that I want a reindeer. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Um, Join the club. Yep. I, I learned that Santa only services kids in big cities. Totally. Sorry, country folk. Oh my gosh, yeah. we were thinking the same thing. It's like you know they're going for all the big cities, and I'm like, well, we're screwed this year. We don't live in Denver. Or San or Francisco City, or, or Mexico City. I mean, we're screwed. No yeah, wonder they, Santa's they, never visited here. Jerk. They only had Keep time going. to show us the big cities. Of course, of course. Jerks. But they. But I really liked how they did the sleigh and the reindeer. They did a yeah, good job with that. That was cool. Good graphics. When they were falling through the sky down to the earth, like through all the clouds and stuff, that was really good animation right mm-hmm. there. So... It was fun to see if, if I think that it's best viewed by wasp families and small with small children. It just felt that way. Okay. What is a wasp and family? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that many there. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, okay. I can totally agree with the wasp family. Yes, absolutely. But they don't have necessarily have to have small children. To get through the elves, I think that would be the, well, your best bet. You're right. The elf it's thing like, was if they had taken those elves. Oh my gosh, that was the one. That was it, the one big problem with the movie. I think like, if you go into any Santa movie thinking, "Oh, I'm going to learn something deep and everything is going to make sense," you're probably no, not. No, no, you're going into it for the magic of Christmas. Yeah. I would go into it for the entertainment value. In other words, I was kind of hoping that you know. But basically, look, I can boil this down to one thing: they screwed up on the elves. Yeah. Yep. They screwed up on the elves. That's all there is to it. Yeah. It was just so out of place. Yes. I mean, not that elves themselves weren't expected, just the characterization of these elves were so, I mean, you were, it was like almost watching a different movie. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. I didn't mind the uh, the musical piece in prison. However, that also felt like, wait, where did that just come from? I didn't like the musical piece in prison. Either. I mean, well, again, it's like, okay, it's it reminded me of Blues Brothers, but the you know how it's such a random movie, but Blues Brothers is also about a band. So this just didn't make sense either. Yeah. But I didn't mind the actual piece, but it was weird. Yeah, it was bizarre. But I thought the very the very last scene made it all worth it. So totally. There were a lot of really, really good things to love in the movie. I think, again, I, I look at these Santa style movies as introducing the, the quote magic of Christmas. And I thought they did a great job of the magic. I thought it was very consistent with a lot of other Santa movies we've seen in the past, you know, with just how they explain certain things. I thought that was really cool. And then they had some new ideas in this that we've already mentioned that I really liked. So I think if you were to take out that elf issue, I think really take, like you said, the elves were the problem. Take the elves out. Well, don't take the elves out. Change the elves and make them right. And I think yeah, it would have been just right. fine. You're probably right. Um, yeah. Yep. I, I did like I the actors it. though. The, the key yeah, actors were really good. I mean, as far as Christmas classics go, I don't know where this one will go down, but yeah. there's there have been a number of Christmas movies that Netflix has released over the last two years. And this is the only one that I actually enjoyed. Okay. This brings up a very interesting point that Sarah and I were talking about recently. And I've been, I've been asking myself this too. It's like, you know, you've got your Christmas classic movies that have the rewatchability factor. Most of the movies recently have not had that rewatchability factor at all. It's like, well, that was nice. I enjoyed it, but it's not a classic. It's not something I'm going to go back to. Yeah. Right. I haven't seen really any since what elf bad Santa. Uh, I've never seen those actually. (laughs) Do you mean like within the last 10, 20 years? Oh, I'm thinking since Elf. I can't even think of one that I still watch over and over. I mean, before that, of course, but I'm talking about since Elf. Since 2003, has there been anything? Well, so the only other one I can think of that's been since then was the animated 
Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. But once again, that was fun to watch, but I haven't watched it since. Wait the a Grinch? second. Grinch was 2000. Yeah. Oh, that was before Elf. Oh, he did an animated version of a Christmas Carol. Yeah, it's it, well, more like a this. CGI version. It was it was actually it's my favorite books. It was good. But once again, there was too much of that animated you see these animated movies and they just go on these crazy rides and all these oh, crazy yeah. antics. There's too much of that in it. Even okay. though so like, if you take like that out, it was actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. He yes. Just went there. I know. <laughs> Sorry, Peter Jackson. Sorry, but that's a great example of something where you have a really wonderful story and then you have to create this extended scene of nonsense. But again, I can't think of anything since then that is a rewatchability. So maybe we need to put this to a vote. If anyone can think of any movie since 2003 Elf that you watch ongoing every year because it's that good, please let us know. I'd be That's very, Christmas related. Very okay. Yeah, so be a the Polar movie. Express came out in 2004. Okay. No, that's a good one. That's still quite a long time ago. So since 2004 then, because that's rewatchable. There's a movie called get Santa and that I know has been since 2004 and that's actually funny. It does have rewatchability factor to it, but I don't know if it's an every year kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It is a good movie by the way. So for those of you who have not seen it, it is on Netflix and it's worth watching. The Santa Claus three came out in 2006, almost 15 years ago. More than that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Crazy. Right. Because like I think about like the classic ones that I love, like white Christmas Scrooged, it's a wonderful life, you know, and we just don't make stories like that. Christmas anymore. vacation. Oh yeah. Christmas. Even home alone. I've actually still never seen that. And oh, I have oh, you need seen to. Home alone. <laughs> this is the year. It's oh, so wow. good. Both of those. Uh, it's home alone is amazing. Those are both one. really worth it. The okay. second one is actually yeah. good, but the first one is absolutely amazing. Yeah. They're okay. both great movies. Yeah, they really are. What was the name of our last show together, Brian? Oh, it's it's okay to be picky and choosy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It totally qualifies for this. It's like we don't have to watch bad Christmas movies. Like nope. even just because Netflix releases a Christmas movie <laughs> doesn't mean you have to watch it, you know? And <laughs> just yeah. watch what you want to watch and that's totally fine. Agreed. Speaking of movies that haven't made this top fifty list, there are two Christmas movies that I watch every year starring Tom Cavanaugh. Oh. And if you don't know who Tom Cavanaugh is, you either know him as JD's older brother from Scrubs or oh, yeah. from uh, The Flash. Mm-hmm. He plays Harrison Wells HR, any variation of him. I don't even know how long ago it was, but it's been a while. It must have been the Disney Channel released two movies called Snow and then Snow 2 like a year or two later. Oh, yeah. I remember those. Have you heard this? Yeah. It's it's totally campy, but I, I don't know why I love it. It's just a different take on the Santa Claus story and... Tom Cavanaugh is totally Tom Cavanaugh in the movie. So he's, you know, quirky and funny and says a bunch of really awkward things and stands really awkwardly. All of the things that you (laughs) love about him. So Mm -hmm. this year was kind of funny because as soon as I started thinking about those movies, I was thinking about like, I've been apart from the DC shows for so long now that I feel like I could go back and maybe take a fresh look at them. Yeah. And so I started rewatching The Flash from the beginning and I made it all the way through season four. Whoa. Without. Yeah. Because there's one through four are on Netflix. And I mean, oh man, I was transported back to when you and I were podcasting. Yes. Season one. And I, I mean, I have come so far in the last four years where I was not reading comics four mm. years ago. And now I go buy comics every Wednesday with one of my coworkers. So I'm oh, like, really? oh, I'm wow. invested in reading comics nice. now and I'm, I'm tracking with these. And I, and I think I understand these worlds a little bit better. There are plenty of things that are, that still hold true for these shows. Sure. You know, a lot of, a lot of the same, you know, angsty drama, but I was actually able to enjoy it this time. Interesting. From, from season one to season four, I actually enjoyed it because I wasn't talking about it. I wasn't analyzing it. I just oh. sat and watched it and I was like, this is fun. I mean, these, these characters have some yeah. consistency writers, you know, you can see them kind of acknowledge, Oh yeah, that might not have been the greatest idea. And so they try <laughs> to like rectify it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to analyze it. I just want to enjoy it. So yeah, a really quick thought to go along with what you just said there. Cause it is funny that, you know, you stopped podcasting about TV shows a little before I did. And it wasn't very much longer, maybe a couple months after you stopped podcasting, about TV shows I did as well. 
for the same reason, really. It's just that, you know, we were so invested in our TV show podcasts that you live, eat and breathe it, you know, on a weekly Mm -hmm. basis, you are committed to it, whether you like the show or not. And so it can create, in my opinion, it can create a significant amount of negativity and critical nature, maybe even bitterness, you name it, right? It's just not Mm -hmm. necessarily a good thing. It can be wonderful though. It just depends. But in our situation, we were finding everything wrong with the shows instead of looking mm-hmm. at anything that was good. And I actually, and I mentioned this on the show, I told you I took a break, you know, since last November from the shows. And I just started watching the DC shows again recently, having not been doing a TV show podcast. And I'm seeing it through the exact same lens that you are. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm having fun again and I'm yeah. loving the show again. And yeah, I'm seeing the problems, but I don't care anymore. Because I'm not analyzing it. And, you know, when everybody is over here complaining about that stuff, I'm like, I don't care. I just don't care. I just want to have fun. It's entertainment. That's it. Having since stopped talking about TV show podcasts, and I'm talking about that specifically just because of the amount of detail and time and attention that goes into a TV show podcast versus like, you know, we talk about movies all the time. That doesn't count. But I've noticed that since I've stopped doing the TV show podcasts, I'm a less critical and negative person. Mm-hmm. overall too. So. Interesting. Yeah. It's been, so I totally with you. It's been fun. Yeah. When you're podcasting about it, you have to talk about something. Yeah. And when, when you're in the middle of it and you have to watch, you have to wait like week after week for a larger story to come together. It's really hard to think about a big picture when all you get is 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And, well, it's, and that it's was like a job. It is. Yeah, it is. That's what, that's <laughs> yeah. the problem. Yeah. It's like you, 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 it becomes your job aside from your actual job and it uh, that just kind of wears on you after a while. And yeah. part of your job is to also respond to what other people are saying, which goes back to your point earlier, Emily, of how social media people are critical about things. And it's the same kind of thing where it's like you're responding to that criticism, which means guess what? You get drawn into it and you become that as well. Mm-hmm. At least it was yeah. for us. I mean, I see it. I see it oh, with others it too, totally whether they know it or not. Yeah. I see it. Interesting. So three degrees yeah. of Tom Cavanaugh right there. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wait, no, there's a, there's a third a Christmas one. movie, uh, like totally made for TV Christmas movie, which, yeah. which makes me think about scrubs all the time yeah. and how, no matter how many times I try to rewatch that show for me, it just does not stand the test of time. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But it's still like, I, I'll still show people clips from it all the time, but I can't just watch it. It just drives me nuts. Oh. But I used to love it. <laughs> I used to love it. <laughs> oh, I did too. I loved watching Scrubs yeah. back in the day. But that's often how I get on my watching trains is three degrees of someone. Like I see someone mm. in a show and go, oh, I wonder what else they're in. And I mean, that's like how I found Danielle Panabaker was on Sky High. Oh, I loved that movie. You guys remember that yeah, movie? Yeah, I totally remember her in that too. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so I watched Sky High too and went, wow, yeah. before she was Killer Frost. I saw was... her in that first and when I heard she was going to be on The Flash, I thought, wait a minute, that was a girl in Sky High. And she oh, was, crazy. This, you know, innocent no. little actor, actress at the mm-hmm. time. And she I've was. And... Sky High. Dude. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's you're, so you're great, man. You got you got to watch it. It's, you're not going to regret it. Kurt Russell's in it. <laughs> Speaking of that, <laughs> maybe I Is will really? watch it. Then. Yeah, he's the dad. Oh, that's right. It's like completely oh, yeah. campy and cheesy, but it's well done at that. It's a superhero thing. That's like, yeah, it's funny though, dude. It's, it's worth watching because they totally do not take themselves seriously on purpose. Kelly Preston. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Oh, Kelly man. Preston. <laughs> All right. Well, yep. I think it's time for us to close with something very special here. Deep thoughts with Captain Influence. I often wonder. Has my sneeze ever resulted in the eventual death of an elderly person? And on that note, I think it's time to wrap up the show. This has been a very enlightening episode, and I hope it has changed your life. (sighs) Well, thank you for joining us today. This was fun. This was very fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for being on, Emily. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what to do with myself. It was awesome. (laughs) It's true. The magnificence of the ice. What can I say? I'm cold. (laughs) (laughs) I'm freezing. I need to go warm up now. I need more eggnog. (laughs) I need more peanut brittle. Yes. Um, I was thinking about this though, is what if next week we do the entire episode in total monotone, like NPR style. It's quarter past the hour. What do you think? No. 
Okay. Are you capable of that? No. Because next week, next week I'll be there, and it'll be a very festive atmosphere, you're and you're going to have lots of goodies for us to munch on. Physically here, yep. Yeah, Seven Blue Sevens the English Toffee should be here by then, too, so we can oh. put that in your coffee. Coffee. That will not be. Do you know what's F-word. even better than peanut brittle? What? Peanut butter. No. I need peanut butter. Peanut butter no, is really I like good. Peanut butter. Butter. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this is better than peanut butter because it has peanut butter oh. in it, or at least peanuts. I don't know what's in it. Maybe it's got crack in it because it's that addicting. <laughs> <sighs> it's been fun. Thank you so much. You know what the music means. Well, um, wait a minute. We got our big Christmas episode next week, so we're going to have a lot of fun with that. So join us. We'll be in studio doing some insane fun things. Miss Ice, thank you so much for being here and, of course, for writing the show notes. Captain Influence, thank you as well. It's been fun. You're welcome. Both of you. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Keep listening. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yes, and Happy New Year. (laughs) See ya. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.